Hi guys, welcome to Alone Again Naturally, a short series of short videos that will be interwoven between the podcast and videos that we do. And it will be because a certain subject has been raised in a meeting uh, with maybe one of the shop owners or the breeders or manufacturers we talk to, and it's maybe a little area that we want to develop further. What became apparent in episode one of Trade Time when I was talking to Jordan Mangum uh, from Peculiar Pets. Some of the comments that were left after that meeting, I got a little lost at the end of that conversation. And that's because there became a slightly political element. We were talking about the organisations involved um, and the organisational infrastructure of the UK hobby, which I take, or we potentially, some of us more experienced keepers take as read that everybody understands what's going on and what the machinations of the hobby are. The truth is, that's probably not the case. Uh, people don't have a full appreciation of who who these organisations are or what they do. So this is a video to try and address that so that people understand when we talk about these sorts of things at, in the trade time, which they will undoubtedly come up again because one of the questions that we ask is, do you think that the hobby uh, is well represented? Do you think shops are well represented? And with the challenges faced by the hobby, how do we um, navigate uh, choppy waters that the hobby may find itself in? So further to that, we were talking about an organization called FBH, an organization called Repta. And I wanted to try and explain the way that these organizations are set up. So first off, we'll deal with the hobby. Traditionally, and I say traditionally because it's an old model and one that I'm not sure continues to work in 2023, people would join a local society, a herpetological society. Now, the oldest is the British Herpetological Society, referred to as the BHS. Then came the International Herpetological Society, or IHS. And this is the organisation responsible for organising the reptile shows, previously at Doncaster, and now the total mess that are the Manchester shows. Then you have more localised uh, organisations. Uh, I think there's Iraq, which I think is Essex Reptile and Amphibian Club, Pras, Portsmouth Reptile and Amphibian Society, SRAS, Surrey Reptile and Amphibian Society, and a bunch more. So when we talk in these weird sort of acronyms, that's what we mean, that's what we're referring to. The FBH uh, was started as an umbrella organisation for um, the lobby to government to protect the hobby and its original mandate was, uh, I think, primarily to ensure the future of the reptile shows. Um, they managed to do that and upon doing that, the original chairman and the founder who organised it, Chris Newman, stepped down. And I think the current chairman is Dave Hayden from PRAS, Portsmouth Reptile and Amphibian Society. The way that the umbrella works is each of these uh, localised uh, societies provide two members of their board, which then go up onto the FBH board. Um, and they would discuss issues that face the hobby and how best to deal with problems as they arise. The chief problem that we're dealing with as a hobby at the moment is the Scottish problem, which is at committee level, they have recommended the introduction of a white list or a positive list. 
Now, this is problematic for a number of reasons. Uh, a positive list prescribed species that can be kept in the hobby uh, and anything that is not on that list, uh, we can no longer breed or sell. So take a minute for that to percolate through. Nothing that's not on the list can be bred or sold. What that effectively does is whatever our investments may have been in the projects that we work with and the huge diversity that this hobby enjoys will be gone in one fell swoop. It would also serve to destroy pretty much the entire trade in one fell swoop because a lot of shops have been riding the crest of a wave of encouraging diversity within their collections that they put forward to sell to the public. All of that investment too would disappear because none of the animals are sellable anymore. And I very much doubt that there'd be any recourse to get compensation for the loss of value to those animals. This, of course, would include endangered and scheduled species on CITES Appendices 1 and 2 and Annex D, uh, which have a special status and they wouldn't be saved from the chop effectively either. So you can see how wide ranging this is. Um, the Scottish paper that was released even made mention to royal pythons um, and their presence of neurological disease in certain cultivars that exist. We know spider, champagne, things like this. And these deleterious genes uh, pose a problem and were specifically mentioned as an area of concern in the Scottish paper. So this means that even quite possibly the most popular species kept and bred in captivity in the UK would not necessarily be out of the firing line. And just because it's popular does not mean necessarily that it would be safe from the chop. So when we were talking about these political issues that we face, um, and we used some rather colourful language to tell people to get their heads out of their ass, the reason is that this hobby is fragmented massively, hugely fragmented, great big fissures exist between different areas of keepers. And we're so busy in fighting and arguing that actually the bigger picture is lost and often not even uh, considered. And because of those fractures and fissures, we've missed the um, boat when it comes to getting on board to try and solve these issues. And it's only through working together that we can actually create a lobby that's vociferous enough, contacts enough MPs to be able to fight this ridiculous suggestion of a positive list. Um, we're too busy worried about whether sand causes impaction in bearded dragons or sand causes impactions in leopard geckos or beardy moms or snoop boopers or rack keepers or royal python breeders or all of these people that are at loggerheads um, and the advancement lobby who are pushing so hard and so vociferously to raise standards in the hobby, which is a perfectly laudable um, pastime and something that, you know, I think if you're a conscientious keeper, you do want. But the bigger picture is, even if you are the most advanced keeper on the planet, you will no longer be able to breed or sell the animals that you produce. End of discussion. If the whitelist comes to pass, that's it, game over. Equally, 
if Royal Pythons are added to the list on the basis that there, there, are, there are deleterious genes produced within the hobby, then all of that investment in your reference systems and the 100, 200 Royal Pythons you keep equally are worthless. You will retain something called the grandfather rights, which means that you're allowed to keep this animal, but you are not allowed to breed it. Um, and you can keep it until it dies, but you can't sell it either. So this raises a number of issues. And there are ways and things that we can argue um, that make the whitelist seem like a farce, which is a complete farce, waste of bloody time uh, and energy. Um, and, you know, the, the simple rebuttal to it is parthenogenesis. Parthenogenesis is where an animal can give birth or lay eggs without being inseminated by a male. So how do they navigate that? You know, uh, so animals potentially could produce that could put people in the firing line and cause problems. And um, what are they supposed to do? These animals exist in collections all over the UK. So there's a bunch of other things that will be argued and a case is being made. Case is being made chiefly by Sid James, who is a member of the Federation of British Herpetologists, who I mentioned in the interview with Jordan, who is uh, developing a document to be our rebuttal. It's fantastic, it's wide-ranging and well-considered. Uh, and I think it's a really strong effort to try and do this. Um, really what I wanted to talk about was the fact that we need to get behind uh, these organisations uh, and start dialogue between the factions and between the fishers within the hobby. That becomes about the preservation of the hobby. We can get to the husbandry later we can get to other issues that may be caused between the factions later, because if we don't get organized and start to fight back and start to become part of the lobby to save the hobby, there will not be a hobby to save. And it doesn't matter which side of the fence you sat on, the steamroller has come straight through and destroyed the fence and everything else with it. And this is may seem like chicken little saying the sky's falling. And I've been accused of saying that in the past to the people who run the hobby, um, but the truth is um, the suggestion of a whitelist in an official committee paper from the Scottish government is a major issue. And the previous um, guy in charge of DEFRA and uh, what would happen to us uh, was Zach Goldsmith, who basically said whatever the outcome of Scotland decided, England was highly likely to follow suit. Bear that in mind. So this is the enemy at the gates, and this is something we need to get organised about, and it is not something that we can afford to be asleep on. Um, the other side to the organisations that we spoke about was Repta. People often haven't heard of them either, uh, basically because the track record of both the FBH and Repta and their communicative skills leave a lot to be desired, and they do not engage with the public properly. This is their chief failing, uh, Repta stands for the Ret Ret Reptile and Exotic Pet Trade Association. Again, this was chaired by Chris Newman and continues to be. The problem that we face is Chris Newman is one man uh, and he is running the National Centre for Reptile Welfare, which is being inundated because of the cost of living crisis and the energy crisis, um, which means that his hands are tied with how uh, effective he can be producing Repta work which is why I stepped in, which was made reference to in the video, to do some report writing 
and try and make sure that Repta maintains forward momentum and that we can face the challenges needed, uh, whether that be from trying to help the shops with the cost of energy um, and uh, report to government about the impacts to shops uh, and the impact to our industry as a whole, or working with Sid on the rebuttal to Scotland as well, which is something that I'm committed to do, but equally I run a reptile shop of my own, uh, which usually takes me 65 to 70 hours a week, plus the production of these digital documents that I post uh, and the podcast and stuff. So I'm a pretty busy guy at the best of times, but I'm willing to give it my best shot. Um, there is another organization that has recently started called RRK or Responsible Reptile Keeping. You may have seen a video posted, very glossy with a, a guy uh, denouncing the data that the antis put forward about the amount of reptiles that die in the UK. We posted it to our page and it got posted a bunch of other pages. Uh, this is a really uh, energized organization that is looking to produce glossy, well-produced rebuttals to the anti-lobby that can then be used uh, for our arguments to government. So th that's basically a brief overview of, of the political side of the hobby, what's happening, why it's happening, uh, the reason for their existence. Um, society's out for everyone. I don't want to be a member of a society. Um, but, you know, if you, wanted, if you wanted to join up and you wanted to... Uh, be part of the society and, and, and talk to the people organizing it, feel free to do so. Uh, you can either find a local club or you can join one of the national clubs, such as the, such as the British Herpetological Society or the International Herpetological Society. You'll be more than happy to take on your membership. The FBH currently does not take direct membership, which I think is a failing. And I think that individual membership should be allowed to the FBH. And certainly when I spoke to Sid uh, in our private conversations, I've, I've made that clear. But my view counts for nothing. Uh, the organisational structure of the FBH is for societies. And whilst ever that continues, I can't be a member of the FBH. If they decide to introduce uh, individual membership, then I would pursue that. And responsible reptile keeping is also going to be uh, rolling out memberships, uh, which would help fund the fight back in a professional manner. This is run by people who produce magazines, um, and professional pamphlets, videos for the National Trust and museums. So it's a really useful skill set to have on board. But that sort of stuff costs money and it doesn't come for free. So I would definitely consider a membership to Responsible Reptile Keeping as well. Um, and, you know, I just wanted to try and appraise people so that you understood the way that this works. Uh, when we talk about these things in those political questions, which I think are important, I think you've got to, critique them you've got to hold them to account and even if i'm part of the currently at least the inner workings of reptor and the production of the documents that doesn't mean that we should shy away from critique we should take it on board and we should try to be malleable and change and one of the crimes that the fbh and reptor have certainly been guilty of in the past is no we're fine we don't want to change and it's 2023 uh, these these organizations were incepted quite a while ago the hobby has changed the attitude towards the animals have changed the attitude towards the husbandry of animals has changed the technology by which we provide this husbandry to animals has changed and developed and it means that we need to move with the times and we do need to be adaptable 
And until we are, uh, it's going to be a real struggle. But consider supporting a society, consider supporting the hobby, try to put down the axes, swords and bows uh, for the factions you've been fighting against. And remember that we are all one hobby. Unless we all start pulling in the right direction for the future of the hobby, our downfall will be the fact that we were too busy in fighting to have ever seen the nuclear bombs coming from the antis that would see us not keep anything. So we'll keep you posted for more videos. As I said, as these issues arise, I will make these short videos that explain certain things or go into greater detail after a conversation. Uh, and we'll put this out as a podcast uh, and we'll put this out on YouTube as well. Feel free to sh subscribe, like and share. Uh, we'll share it to Facebook once it's on YouTube. All the best, guys. I hope you have a great day and I'll speak again soon. Cheers.